So today's expose is featuring shard. <laughs> like I just <laughs> had a shard. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going with over there. <laughs> Right. I like how you're making sure to really pronounce the D and not make it sound like a T. Thank you for that. Yeah, shard. Because, no, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, I just shard myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but shard bishop. Oh, bishop. This is, I did not know this. I did not know that she's the younger sister of our regular bishop. So thank you for informing me. <laughs> um and she has the power to absorb ambient light particles and convert them to perform a number of light-based attacks. You know, and she can live what, during Shard's condition. Oh, so when she's doing stuff, she can live as like a photon-based life form and is granted a form of intangibility. That's pretty cool. I like yeah, that. Shard is a little tragic in that she got uh, an illness and Bishop was like, let me help save you. And when he took her to like turn her into like a holographic being, it ended up putting a strain on her body and killing her. So he kind of blames himself for her death, but she survived through being a hologram for a while. Interestingly wow. enough. <laughs> wow. Um, she first appeared in Uncanny X-Men, December 1993 as an illusion. And then had a full appearance <laughs> in Uncanny X-Men number 314 in July 1994. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she ended up as a projection. She ended up joining X-Factor with like Havoc in them for a little while. Yeah. So she's had a weird run. <laughs> a weird run. Yeah. I always saw her. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I never really like was drawn to her. I'm just like, she looks like Dazzler, but not as cute. And so I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so I never really got her, but now I know a little bit more about her. So maybe I'll like her more. That's what this show is for. Bringing X fans together into a family. Yeah. Uh, I want to go. Gene. Jean? Welcome to this week's Solving for X. My name is Sean. I'm the ultimate excavationist. And I'm something of an X fan myself, Kevin. Mm. Kevin, we're here. We're on One Man's Worth. I've been talking about this for so long. (laughs) We've been waiting for it. Yeah, so this one's interesting because um, Eric Lewald actually came up with this idea of what if Professor X died as like... This is a visual way to show Xavier's impact on mutants. So he drew from the movies It's a Wonderful Life and City on the Edge of Forever. So basically, 
they have to turn in all their their uh, proposed story ideas to Marvel. So Marvel saw this one and they're like, oh my God, this is such a good idea. So they were like, I think we're going to also adapt this into comic form. So <laughs> the weird thing is, is uh, Age of Apocalypse, which the Spawned, came out in January of 95. But this episode, these episodes didn't air until September. So a lot of people assume that Age of Apocalypse came first and then these episodes, but it's opposite. Yeah, because there would not be enough time to create the whole show if the comics came first and this came after. It'd be real rushed and real ugly, probably. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if I've ever told you this. This is visually just for you, but I love (laughs) the Age of Apocalypse so much. (laughs) I have all... Four of these gigantic ass Age of Apocalypse comics. The Omnibus. <laughs> yeah. That is beautiful. Isn't that the one? Because I was I recognized some things. I remember Cyclops having like long hair and having yeah. like that weird. Yeah, he looked really cool in that. Oh, I'm glad you think he looked cool. I never liked him in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know what he did in it. I just like that's a different look for him. So I never actually read it. I don't know what he does in it, but Okay, yeah, these four huge books, the omnibuses, um, they have, like, every single main story and tie-in in them. So I am very well-read in Age of Apocalypse. So we'll talk about it as we go. We're going to have so much to talk about these episodes because there's a lot a lot happening. Well, cameo-tastic, too. <laughs> I know. I hope – I don't even know if I caught it all. I hope I followed okay. But. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's one character we'll talk about that I have no idea who they are. I don't know if they were created for the show or if there's something I'm missing, but we'll talk about it and see if anybody else knows. All right. But before we get there, should we talk about our previously on last week? Okay, let's let's do it. So I kind of knew this would be or could be a heated question. I did get one person who wrote in kind of being like, uh, you chose two Christian religions. And I was like, I know, but one of them is Nightcrawler's religion and one of them is the biggest religion in America. So that's why I did it. So we asked people, what religion do you identify as? Christian, Catholic, spiritual, or other? How do you think this went, Kevin? (sighs) I do know a lot of the population is under that Christian umbrella, but I feel like in today's time too, there's a lot of people that are finding their own path and are probably others. I'm going to say other. Okay. Okay. Let's see. So what I had said on the episode is I read that like more and more people are being spiritual today or finding their own answer to religion. So it looks like that may be the case because only 11% of our voters said that they're Christian. Mm. Only 14% said they're Catholic. And that actually, that's actually only 25% out of our voters said that they're of a Christian faith, yeah. basically. Uh, spiritual tied with Catholic at 14%. And the all-in-all clear winner is Other at 61%. (laughs) But uh, unfortunately, nobody wrote in with uh, what that Other means to them. So we'll never know. Yeah. Hmm. See, I was, I was, I put Other, but, because I feel like spiritual is on there, but I feel like spiritualist is not the same as spiritual. Um, (laughs) I mean, I guess it's part... 
it is a spirit is a faith thing is a spiritual thing but i don't know i feel like spiritual is another umbrella term where spiritualist is more of a specific okay okay so that's, that's why i didn't put it well this just appeased my um just wondering what our listens are mm-hmm. so thank you for everybody for answering that there is still time if you um are able to write in what your other means and yeah. uh, we did also get a uh, write-in from Ryan Terry. We appreciate you, Ryan, front of the pod, for Ooh. saying, like, he appreciates Nightcrawler is just loving. Like, no matter what religion he is, he's just loving, and that's the answer. Exactly. So I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he compared Nightcrawler to Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> 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 they have similar hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, okay, back to One Man's Worth. So this aired uh, September 9th, 1995, written by Richard Mueller and directed by Larry Houston. And this was actually, this was the opening to season four in the continuity of how it aired. But um, as you can see from when we placed it, uh, it was not supposed to be the opener. Wow, yeah. But yeah, all right. Let's get into it. So scene one, that's all you, girl. It's me. Mario. <laughs> yes, Mario. Mario? <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Let's set the scene. May 11th, 1959. Nighttime. <laughs> Everything is quiet and normal. Except for that Nimrod Sentinel being <laughs> shot by Bishop. What? X-Force Wolverine and Mohawk Storm, so hot, help destroy the Nimrod as a confused Professor X looks on from a window. He's like, what's going on out there? <laughs> he goes to open a door and shit happens. At the same moment, Wolverine smells an electronic fuse. <laughs> So you know what's crazy to me, Kevin, is this happened 64 years ago yesterday, (laughs) May 11th, 1959. (laughs) Yeah, that's the day my braces came off. I mean, not 1959, but... (laughs) And I know we missed another one. One of our writers, I think it was Art of Lucas, pointed out that we did the... um, What's it called? Where Rogue turns into an alien. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. We did that episode on the anniversary of the date that it aired, too, and we missed That's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. We can't be perfect all the time. You know? But we how try. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it for you watching this beginning? Was it confusing at all, or what, what was going through your head? I mean, I knew immediately from the outfits that this was like some kind of future. And it's, anytime I see Bishop, future. That's what that's, that's where <laughs> yeah. my brain goes. So I'm like, okay, this is the future sometime. But is this like, I wasn't sure if this was like the future after the last time we saw him. Does he have those memories? Or is this is a new timeline? I That's where I was confused. I'm like, I don't know where this exists. But I just know it's in the future. <laughs> yeah, it gets confusing. Because um, especially like where I am in Doctor Who right now, there's like a wife of the doctor that's meeting him out of order. So every time she comes from her future to meet him, she's like, have we done this yet? Oh, you're not there yet. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So time travel sucks sometimes. But yeah, Mm -hmm. um, this isn't quite Wolverine's X-Force costume, but I just refer to it as that because it's black. But Storm's (laughs) Mohawk outfit. Ah! 
Oh, she looks so good. She looks so good. I love it so much. <laughs> All right. Back in 2055, Forge monitors a computer which tells him a time travel rift has opened. Forge tells Bishop and his sister Shard that they need to go back in time to fix things before it goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Fix it. Fix it. Okay. Back in the present, and at the manor, a carefree storm flies about with the butterflies. And you know what? <laughs> I'm wondering if this was symbolism because of the butterfly effect. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, look at you, girl. I didn't think about that. I was like, oh, you know, this, this you know, slightest flutter, the slightest change. Mm. That's so cool. I like that a lot. Well, thank you. <laughs> she calls one beautiful, and Wolverine thinks he's talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> to him. Talking to him. <laughs> yes, Wolverine is to him. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm. <laughs> Wolverine handstorm an apple. I was like, oh my gosh, is this Cole and Piper in the higher row? Oh it totally God. is in Circuit City. <laughs> yeah, in Circuit City. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> and then Professor X sneakily hovers over and makes a Garden of Eden reference. And Storm is like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, if you're expecting me to do some Adam and Eve, ma! No. <laughs> Even though he doesn't believe knowledge to be the enemy of paradise. That's Professor Xavier again. Uh, just then, the three friends witness a time paradox instead of ants that people normally get. <laughs> 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 Professor X disappears, leaving Storm with a mohawk and Wolverine in a black suit. This was very Jumanji to me because they're like huddled together and then they like end up in a new world. I was like, oh, they're in the past. And they're like, you know, they're back to their ch- kid selves again. Except just the opposite. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. So um, this is kind of where um, Age of Apocalypse is similar. So Legion Quest started in January of 1995. And the way everything triggered is Legion, uh, David Haller, uh, Professor X's son, was like, I fucking hate Magneto. Magneto fucking ruins everything. And he's made my dad's life a living hell so i'm just gonna hop skip and a jump into the past and i'm gonna kill magneto so he happens upon magneto with xavier walking in the streets and what he doesn't bank on is the fact that professor x and magneto are in a secret gay relationship and professor x loves magneto to the point that he jumped in front of the blast therefore sacrificing himself to save magneto Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So that's what uh, kicks everything off is with Professor X sacrificing himself. Magneto then decides to start the X-Men in the name of Xavier, who sacrificed himself for all mutants. <laughs> and that's why he becomes our leader, our fearless leader, or whatever they, they keep referring to him. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so um, it seems to me I couldn't find a clear-cut answer. I was trying to read through Eric Lewald's uh, book to try to see exactly how everything went down. 
but it seems like both the comic and the show kind of just did their own thing after the initial idea. But as we'll see, as I'll point out, there are Age of Apocalypse characters that show up in this episode. So I'm like, so did you do those characters, Eric? Like, did you design those and they got put into the comic? Or did you put Mm. them into the show because they were in the comic? I know. (laughs) Inception. Ah. I know. I tend, to think, I tend <laughs> to think it probably would have been easier for them to incorporate from the comic into the show. And that's why they're usually like background. So yeah. we'll see, though. All right. The present has shifted into alternate present. And Wolvie and Storm are now on the run in their new outfits. The manor is under siege. Wolverine and Storm are saved by alternate beast. He hides them as the humans send in more machines. And oh my glob, our first of many cameos happening <laughs> right now. <laughs> so who did you notice in this first part? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, just like, there's too many people. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an Iron Man fly by. And at first I thought, because it said it was Iron Man, but I'm like, that looks more like War Machine. But it's actually specifically based on Iron Man 2020, who has more of an arsenal on him. So, and they made him kind of green looking. We also see uh, in front of the manor, it's panning, and there's a mutant with a force shield protecting other oh, yeah, mutants. Yeah. So, those were our, um, our Morlocks. So, that was Sunder. Callisto was leaning over Erg, who's the one with like the, the hair, like Legion's hair that stands <laughs> yeah. straight up. And then I think it was Tar Baby who was making the shield, but that it was really hard to see. They were very small. <laughs> wow. And I'll have you know, I scoured the like X-Men wikis, and some of the characters I noticed, like Erg, weren't even on the wikis. So they need to add some see? characters in there. <laughs> it's like it's like me and the charmed. I'm like, they get the charm stuff on that wiki wrong all the time. I'm like, why aren't you noticing these things, people? Yeah. Why aren't I writing on here? But then a part of me was like, I don't want to write on there because I want to be with the knowledge and you don't have the knowledge. <laughs> yeah. People have to listen to our podcast to get the full story. Yeah. If you're not listening to our podcast, you're only getting half, half the, the story. story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scene five. A small ways away, Mimic makes a bold attack. Run. No. Okay. <laughs> Mimic makes a bold attack run on the machines. He is easily dispatched. A yoked up Magneto comes to his aid, though, and destroys the machine. Oh, Daddy Magneto, I love it. It was so hot with his beard. Oh my God, I love it. I was like, okay, I need you in my life. Anyway, yes. uh, <laughs> Nito tries in vain to keep it Mimic safe. And is Mimic the thing that's flying around? Yes, so um, I'll go in more into details on him after we finish the scene. But I got you, girl. I got you. I thought for sure that was Cyclops in a new orange suit and wings for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why does he look so weird? Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Wolvie and Beast refer to Nito as the leader. Sabretooth and Wild Chad join the X-Men in saving Nito, who really doesn't need the help. Magneto rallies the troops. So the Sabretooth and Wild Child, that's exactly how they look from Age of Apocalypse. So I, I believe they probably added that into the episode to um, oh, 
uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And uh, Mimic, um, he is a bit of an older character. He's kind of, he was used more, I'd say, in the 60s, and he's kind of been used here and there since. But he first showed up in X-Men number 19 in 1966, created by Stan Lee and artist Warner Roth. And he has the ability to mimic anybody's power that he's close to. Um, it's, I believe he can go up to about five powers at once. Wow. And like over time, he's kind of evolved to where like he can hold those powers, like not being close to those people. But that's why he's got Angel's Wings, Cyclops Blast, Beast, Big Hands and Feet, because he usually gotcha. would mimic the OG X-Men, the original five X-Men. Oh, there you go. See, when he mm-hmm. started shooting with the eyes, I'm like, that has to be a Cyclops. So why does he have wings? Yeah. And, like, and I like orange, but I don't like, I don't know if I like Cyclops and orange. It doesn't feel right. So I was like, I was just so confused. Yeah. I, his name is Calvin Rankin. I didn't like the original like orange and red outfit. He eventually gets like, I think a blue and white or purpley white. And that one I like better. Okay. And he's kind of, um, I guess kind of a tragic character because he never really finds himself since he just mimics other people. (laughs) And he eventually joins like the dark X-Men team, but then he eventually kind of, he joins the Brotherhood of Mutants, but he eventually kind of repents and is good again. So he's kind of all over the place. (laughs) Okay. Cool. I'm glad you brought him up because I forgot to put him in my notes as someone to describe. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yep. So here's our second uh, Age of Apocalypse appearance. So this Colossus and Sunfire is exactly how they look in AOA. But the X-Men team is joined by Colossus and Sunfire in advancing on the machines. Storm uses a whirlwind to easily dispatch another machine. Her worry for Wolverine causes her to be shot out of the sky. Neato and Morph. Did you notice Morph? I did see him. I did see him. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Create a distraction with a flying car while the other X-Men regroup. Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler. Again, just like he he does in the comic. Save Storm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. But I think in the comic, he does have like a red tattoo over an eye. I don't think he had that here. Hmm. Beast kicks the already dying machine. Good one, (laughs) Beast. (laughs) (laughs) And I noticed that he had, like, uh, kind of machine Wolverine claws on his body, too. Yeah, that seems to be a thing in this AOA. Everybody has claws. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it is interesting to me that Storm and Wolverine weren't in their Age of Apocalypse outfits. They just kind of chose popular outfits for them. But so far... Magneto, Wild Child, Colossus, Sunfire, Sabretooth, Nightcrawler are. So I'm keeping tabs here. Okay. Magneto continues to lead the mutants forward to victory. Beast gets a still in his OG outfit gambit to safety as the battle continues. Wolverine goes to a down and out storm to nurse her to health. As he's caring for her, we see their wedding rings. Oh! Hashtag Stormy Wolverine for life! Oh my god! Uh, (laughs) As the X-Men continue to fight, reinforcements arrive. The Avengers! They immediately attack our heroes. Yeah, that's rude. (laughs) 
All right, so here we go with our cameos. Don't worry about us, Dingo. We'll make sure we can. Cameo. So we saw Mr. Sinister. We saw um, Holocaust, which in Age of Apocalypse is one of Apocalypse's uh, four horsemen. Uh, We also got Black Widow, Wasp, Captain America, Goliath, Scarlet Spider, Kevin. Scarlet (laughs) Spider. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. We had Hercules, a really quick um, devil soldier who's a variant on Daredevil. And I believe the man with the goatee and the wonky gun, it looks like Doctor Strange, but the only thing I could find close was that it's Wonder Man. So mm. I'm not sure about him. Okay. <laughs> but I, I put here, Captain America looks like Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a shield. That's true. Um, were you excited by these cameos? Like, did you recognize the Avengers? Some of them. Not all of them. Okay. okay. Um, you know, because sometimes they're different than what I'm used to seeing them in. So I'm like, I don't know if that if, is that right. Uh, so I get I confu- I get you know second guess myself. <laughs> That's fair. It was a lot going on all at once, like you said. <laughs> yeah. And like I spent my most time prepping this episode on this part because I kept pausing, like who's this, who's that, what's going on here. So it was a yeah. lot. <laughs> I did think it was funny that, like, they're fighting in this desolate wasteland, and the minute Storm is hurt and Wolverine's holding her, like, it's all green grass around him. I was like, where the fuck is that I, green grass? <laughs> I put that in my, too. I'm like, it's like, it was nighttime, and then it turned to daytime. I was so very confused what that was. I'm like, like are they, are the peasant, are the presents merging? Because they left the daytime into nighttime. So is it, like, the daytime seeping in? I, I was very confused. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just an animation error. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, As the battle wages on, a short-haired rogue, who it's really easy to miss her, flies in a mutant who is able to generate a force field around the Avengers. I start calling them (laughs) the Avengers. And throws them away. (laughs) We return to the X-Men's base where Jean is tending to one-armed Gambit. In comes Wolverine carrying Storm and looking for Dr. Summers. Just then, Bishop and Shard time jump in, but they're too late. So Rogue and Jean are also not in their Age of Apocalypse outfits. So I'm curious as to like what made them choose who's going to be in their outfits and who's not going to be in the yeah. outfits. Yeah. <laughs> it's too expensive to draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe actually. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and the mutant I can't figure out who they are is Rogue carries this mutant with long white hair with like a red face mask on in like jeans and he makes the force field around the avengers oh so yeah i wasn't Mm. sure interesting but i did notice something and this is interesting we have another cameo but the cameo is an alternate form of changeling who the character morph is based based off of yeah but Changeling looks like Morph is going to look in X-Men 97. Interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, Morph can change into anybody. So, like, maybe that's just where he picked up the guys. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw this once upon a time in the future, in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we also had uh, Caliban, Pyro, Mosk, Blob, and Mastermind. Mastermind had a pretty cool little moment where he saved everybody. 
Aww. Okay. As Bishop and Shard discuss going back to 1959, Wolverine overhears and demands answers. Storm warns them that the little feral Canadian is unhinged and they better comply. Better comply! Shard <laughs> convinces Storm that they're friends. Bishop tells Wolvie and Storm they need him to help in going back in time to save Charles Xavier. Who that is? Mama, who that is? That's just my baby daddy. Never heard of him. <laughs> the four new friends run into the manor to escape the machines. Yeah. And that is one thing I did too. These scenes were very long in this, so I kind of split some of them up just so it gives us a break on reading. <laughs> yeah. So Shard and Bishop show Wolvie and Storm the way things were supposed to transpire with Charles if he wasn't killed. They explain that the other life wasn't perfect, but it's better than this alternate present hell. After some infighting, Storm convinces Logan to help Bishop and Shard. Wolverine realizes that if they fix everything, then they won't be together. It's so sad. Storm decides to help anyway. Fuck Logan's drag. Logan follows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it's this episode that made you really, I mean, I guess in the comics too, but start to think of them as a couple seriously because I didn't really get a lot with them in my media together. So I was like, oh, because I, I, I don't even remember this episode watching it the first time, these two episodes when I watched this. So it's Yeah, this is... Um, the earliest I can find of Storm and Wolverine being a couple. So I think it is original to the show. And I imagine when they did it in Wolverine and the X-Men in the comics, they probably were going off of how great they were as a couple in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. The other um, romance that I believe budded in Age of Apocalypse is this is where we see Rogue with Magneto and they have a baby together. Whoa. It's said that this is kind of funny to me. It's almost like a condom, a magneto condom. Um, <laughs> apparently, Magneto is able to like use his power to like sheathe himself so he doesn't get absorbed by Rogue's oh. power. But then I also don't know though if he's able to do that. How does the sperm get into Rogue? <laughs> so he he so he kind of makes like a little barrier around his body kind of like a little electromagnetic barrier i wouldn't think right but he has a little little hole right at the tip yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just enough <laughs> oh my yeah and i mean it it's what we talked about in the sanctuary episodes like there was already like a rogue and magneto like them starting to be friends but i believe the age of apocalypse is when they're actually like together and then that comes into play later too yeah shard shows wolvie and storm what their future was supposed to be the original days of future past future that is shard explains that they came across a surveillance tape that shows trevor fitzroy fucking with the time stream (laughs) it shows fitzroy and his sidekick Bantam, not Batman, Bantam, <laughs> making a deal with Master Mold. <laughs> Master Mold doesn't trust Fitzroy and sends Nimrod with them to complete their mission. Master Mold sends in Lobdell to feed Fitzroy's power. 
Fitzroy then opened a portal and went in with Bentham and Nimrod. Ooh. Would you like to know a little winky face right here? Sure. <laughs> Scott Lobdell was the current writer of X-Men at this time. So this was oh, a little like Easter winky egg. face. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So we have another cameo here, and I'll get more into these characters in next week when we do our uh, expose. But we have Malcolm and Randall, who are XSC agents, along with Bishop. So they basically were in the same outfit Bishop has, and they're the ones who Bishop first travels to the past with in his first appearance with X-Men. So mm-hmm. I thought that was fun that we got them. And then Fitzroy, so he first showed up in Uncanny X-Men 281 in 1991. And he is able to drain life energy from humans to open portals in time and space. The, were you going to say something? No, I'm just gasping. Oh. <laughs> the biggest difference, though, between the show and the comics is he's like a vampire. Like, he kills you when he drains your life. Like, he doesn't leave you to, you'll be okay in a few days. No, you dead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <And> you, <laughs> what if maybe in this world he sucks your life essence and then you turn into a vampire? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I can definitely see why they would not do that for the show because it's for kids. Yeah. You can't just yeah. have someone killing everybody. Yeah. No, no. But I'm also kind of like, so do we like Scott Lovedell or do we not for the fact that you named the guy who gets sucked dry by Fitzroy <laughs> after him? <laughs> uh. All right. So Shard explains that they only know Fitzroy opened a portal to 1959, and that's where they are trying to get back to. They had to stop, though, in 1995 for reasons. They give Wolvie and Storm time bracelets and open a portal to get to the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of explaining. I got kind of confused. But I think it was because they had to, like, anchor themselves in the new timeline before going back to when the change happened. I think that's sure. what it is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, back in 1959... Charles is walking the streets with a lovely young couple, one named Professor Gray, hmm. <laughs> Dr. Summers and Professor Gray. Oh, oh. Uh, The two friends nerd speak together for a bit about evolution. Just then, Bishop appears and tells Xavier he's right. Bishop tells Xavier him and the three others are from the future, and they were sent here to keep him alive. Yeah. <laughs> and Xavier kind of like takes to this pretty easily. He's like, oh, I don't believe you, but do you want to go get coffee? <laughs> I know. I'm a nice nerd. Yeah. I'll hear you out, you crazy fucking whore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so meanwhile, the future team sits with Xavier at Rip Van Winkle's coffee house. They seem excited about getting to see the hippie, I mean, beatnik days. As they get coffee, Shard shows Xavier the future with the hologram. Shard has the idea for Xavier to read Bishop's mind. He does and believes them. Just then, the bartender gets mad Wolverine and Storm are holding hands. Wolverine comes to save Xavier from the bartender. The occupants flee from the fight. 
And this is where I've always loved this, even as a kid, when Storm says, skin color prejudice. That's so pathetic. It's almost quaint. Mm-hmm. Get it, Mama? Yes. It's like your trivial as bigotry is ridiculous. And it means nothing to me. Like, I've yeah. seen worse. <laughs> and I think nearly, what, almost 30 years after this episode aired, like, we still see this as an issue. There's still bigotry and people who do look at mixed race couples like yeah. this. But it's it's gotten a lot better. We are trending towards the future that is presented in X-Men. So that's one good thing. Mm-hmm. That is good. Xavier is rattled from the confrontation. Oh, the info he's taking and seems to have spooked him. At the same second, the bartender calls for his bouncers, Moose and Rocco. <laughs> These names. <laughs> I know. Like, they can't be real. Uh, they come in to start a fight. <laughs> Wolverine and a hot sailor easily dispatch them. But in the fracas, no one sees Xavier hightailing it away. He's like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Shard and Wolverine take out the remaining fighters. Just then, Bishop notices... Xavier is gone. Ah, this oh. is all too much for me. It's <laughs> mad. <laughs> mad. Mad, I tell you. Mad, I tell you. <laughs> Our merry mutant time travelers watch as police show up at the coffee house. They fan out to find Xavier before Fitzroy does. Storm chastises Wolverine for losing his cool. Storm sees Xavier, but he be Nimrod in disguise. Shard and Bishop join in on fighting the evil Sentinel. The team continues to look for Xavier. Ooh. So this right here is why I stand uh, Wolverine and Storm so much, like this scene, because Wolverine loses his coal and Storm's like, bitch, you better calm down, you little bitch, because Mama Storm (laughs) be mad at you. Like, she can control him. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. 17. It's the last one. Okay. Shard finds Fitzroy and starts shooting. Fitzroy and Bantam escape as Nimrod begins to piece itself together and it escapes as well. At the same time, we see this scene from the beginning of the episode. Xavier opens the door, triggering an electronic fuse and exploding. Is Xavier be killed? Oh, my gasp to be continued. No. no. <laughs> my you googly. <laughs> <laughs> I love the slow-mo stuff. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So this was part one. Um, so what are your thoughts? Would you extreme, expect, or X out? Uh, extreme. Yeah, this is so crazy, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is extreme. I mean, I've talked about it enough that, like, if I exited out at this point, you'd be like, why the fuck did you waste all my time here, Sean? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, what did you like about this episode? Well, is this, yeah, I just, I liked that there's a lot going on. It's a a lot, but it's also very interesting and it's very timely and it's very social and it's very future-y. So, it's all those really good elements that make a good story and good human yeah. interaction. I mean, yeah, we, we can take a lot from this episode, even just putting yourself in Xavier's shoes and showing just how much you can actually like change the course of time. 
we could also put a lot into like how to deal with trivial things like racism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a very social episode, but it's also very actiony. So this was this was great. I really love this. Yeah. Yeah. Who is your MXP? My MXP for this episode is as kind of torn. Um but I am going to say you know what? I'm going to go with Storm. I was going to say Wolverine, but I'm going to go with Storm. Because she's the one who decided that saving the future and saving humanity is worth losing the love of her life, which is a huge sacrifice. Uh, And I was going to say Wolverine because he eventually does come around to that, but only because he was following Storm's lead. So because of that, I'm going to say Storm. And because of her badassery in the confrontation. Yeah, I said Storm as well because you're right. She brings Wolverine around. She keeps him in check. She kind of guides the team in a way, like mostly her and Bishop. Mm-hmm. So she's uh, she steals the show. This is. I wish we got Storm Mohawk Storm like throughout the whole of the show with this attitude because I think mm-hmm. I would have liked her better yeah. from the get go. Because she's much, she's a much more of a presence and a more dominant force that, and the kind of who she is in the comics, you know, because exactly. I feel like in the show, she's a little wiggly sometimes, just a little over the top drama for no reason and not really <laughs> like driven as much, you know. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yay! Did you notice Kang? <laughs> no, I did not. Good, because he wasn't in it. <laughs> I mean, all the people that were in here, I didn't, but, you know, if he was, I probably would have missed him because he probably would have been like a little speck in the background or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you say is your X factor? <sighs> I'm just going to say time travel stuff. Like, Days of Future Past, Age of Apocalypse, all of this. Bishop is there. Anytime there's future, it's Bishop. And I'm going to say that's that's what it is. It's It's X-Men to me. <laughs> It's typical. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, it's uh, Age of Apocalypse. I just remember when I was, I would have been 11 when it started. I remember like for my birthday, one of my friends got me the Cyclops toy and it's kind of like, what's this? Why does he look like that? And he told me about Age of Apocalypse. And like, I've just always been fascinated with Age of Apocalypse because it's just such a cool concept. So for anybody who doesn't know, I'll kind of give a brief um, telling. So I already told you how Professor X dies in the past. Because he dies, Magneto starts the X-Men. But because the X-Men weren't created sooner, there's nobody to fight off Apocalypse, who then takes over in the future. And Mr. Sinister is kind of Apocalypse's like right-hand man. And like um, he's doing a bunch of his cloning experiments. So he gets uh, the Summers brothers work for Apocalypse. Uh, Scott and Alex wow. Havoc and Cyclops. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <gasps> they're uh, prelates, oh. but um, they eventually turn around. So there's hope for them for you. <laughs> okay. Jean Jean Grey is like a big reason for Scott to kind of like turn himself good once he sees that the man who raised him is evil. But uh, Mr. Sinister takes some of Scott's cells and some of Gene's cells because he recognizes them as powerful. And he creates Nate Gray, who's like an alternate version of Cable, who's younger and sexier and more powerful uh. than Cable. <laughs> so that's okay. where Nate Gray comes from. 
And then um, throughout the title, uh, we get this really cool showdown of Magneto versus Apocalypse because Magneto's like the ultimate hero, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, and then we also get the character Blink, who you saw in um, Days of Future Past. Yes. So yeah, cool. it, it it really did make a big splash in the comic world, even though it was only from 1995 to 1996. But it got so big that they even brought back Age of Apocalypse later in its own like comic series. The characters um, have been expanded upon, like Iceman from Age of Apocalypse was kind of evil, so it was Nightcrawler after a bit. So wow. um, Dark Beast, who came from Age of Apocalypse, like came into the regular continuity of the comics for a while. So oh. there's a lot going on. See? Yeah. See? 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 <laughs> so all that to say, that's my X Factor, Age of Apocalypse. And this started it. There you go. I love that. Yeah. And for our question this week, for our previously on, I want to know whose Age of Apocalypse outfit do you like most? Do you like Colossus, Shadowcat, Rogue, or Gambit? And we actually didn't see Shadowcat, Rogue, or Gambit, excuse me, in this episode in their outfits. But um, so that's why you I'll send me pictures. Them. Yeah. Okay. And I'll post them for our listeners. I'm gonna say Gambit. Why Gambit? Uh- I think he looks super cool in his little bodysuit. And I love the Vincent Valentine kind of cape thing. Like, I don't know. It's really, it has some flair and sass and I like it. And I like his hair. Yeah. And one thing you can't see in the picture I sent you actually is he also has a dangly earring. Uh And I just love that because it's like back in style now. So he still fits in. So yeah, he looks super cool. He's super cool. And I like to say with um, Shadowcat, I believe she was the cause of X-23 because Chris Claremont Uh wanted to give her claws. So that's why they gave her claws in this. But she looks almost just like X-23. Let's just put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she does. And then I've always liked Rogue. Rogue, I feel her look is a little dated, though, with the big shoulder pads. Like, she's very, like, 90s, whereas Gambit, like, stands out for any time. (laughs) nice cool well next up we have one man's worth part two what do you think happens there (laughs) oh well uh i guess it's gonna continue this story (laughs) more future stuff more xavier stuff more time traveling how did you know (laughs) i'm psychic i'm an x-men yeah (laughs) good job thank you so cool (laughs) So we'll continue on with uh, One Man's Worth next week. But until we get to there, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on my Instagram, uh, KGZ87, where I'm just doing my own stuff. And then you can find Sean and I on my other podcast, Words of the Witches, covering season 10 of the Charmed Comics currently. Ta-da! Ta-da. And you can find me on Once Upon a Cult. We just did an episode on One Taste. You can find me on Marvelous Galaxy of Disney. Or you can find my book on Amazon. Oh, shit. I said the name. I don't oh. think it heard me. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is rude. Dream of waking and all that you can find uh, links to through Instagram through my page. Beautiful. Beautiful. Cool. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week for One Man's Worth. Pas deux. Pas deux. <laughs>